Hello and welcome to the Grand Cinema Hotel, a podcast hosted by three friends who love cinema. I'm Oliver and I'm joined by Gus. Tonight you'll be staying in room 139, Us, the second feature film directed by Jordan Peele. So go ahead, get comfortable and throw on that do not disturb sign as we untether ourselves from the shadows with Us. What are you people? It's us. They look exactly like us. They think like us. They know where we are. What's going on all you tethered and thanks for checking back into the Grand Cinema Hotel. Don't forget if you're listening to us on YouTube to like, comment, and subscribe and you can find us on all podcasting platforms. And today we are back with another installment of the Jordan Peele trilogy. Um, we are also a man down today. Nate, we love you. We miss you. We can't wait to have you back. Um, but today we are doing Jordan Peele's second film, Us. Alvaro, we saw this film together back in 2019. Do you remember how you felt walking out of it? Yeah, what's up, guys? Um, yeah, 2019, it's been a while now. It feels like um, backtracking to the first time we watched this. Um, I remember, I think I remember even when we watched the first trailer to this being really, like, um, hype for it. Obviously, it's after the already building up hype after Get Out which he had delivered really well. And then this movie kind of seemed, in all honesty, even then and now even more cemented, seemed like he was going a step up. And then when we watched the theater and I walked out, it's honestly, it was a complex movie even then to think about actually what he was trying to comment on. But then now after giving it a rewatch, um, you know, I feel like it's it solidified a lot of my questions from that first viewing that we had in the theater. But this movie stood out even from then in terms of him stepping up in every aspect and especially visually in this movie yeah definitely so we talked about this on the nope episode about him taking those steps up like you said and i do think that um even budget wise it's so much big it's it's such a bigger film Mm -hmm. than get out even though um i guess this is kind of getting ahead of ourselves but i know you And I and most people probably think that Get Out is better than us. Mm -hmm. But I do feel like he's taking a whole different step in a new direction on this movie. Um, I I think it's also a a good idea that he didn't exactly try to do the same thing as Get Out. It's um, he does these things that he has termed as like social thrillers. Right. Mm -hmm. And I mean, they're really horror films, but they have a lot of thriller aspects to them. I would say the. The horror is more sprinkled in in these first two movies. It is really that like thrilling, chilling, white knuckle uh, type of filmmaking that he really succeeds at. Agreed. Um, but with this movie too, I think that it's it's more genre than Get Out is. Like Get Out is very, I don't want to say to the point, but it's about one thing, and mm-hmm. there's many different ways to look at it. But uh, us, I'm, I keep getting the names like confused in my mind right now because they're so they're so short. But um, with us, I think that he is he's trying to leave us with more questions than answers. Um, I think even when you look at the ending of this movie, it kind of just cements for me at least the idea that this is like an apocalypse movie mm-hmm. to some extent. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I really I really do like this movie. I feel like Jordan Peele has no misses. 
I do think that all three of them are perfect in their own ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think this is my least favorite as well. But that's not that's not a slide at all, I right? Mean, no, because I think that's the reason we still we knew after watching like nope. Well, before watching Nope, actually, that we were going to do all three of them. And it's because yeah. this this is um, the same way we talk about Martin Scorsese. His, like, his weakest movies are still way better than a lot of people's. And I think what another standout for this film specifically, and then all three of them, but then we talked about it in the Nope episode, is just that it's an original idea, you know? And yeah. it does come from, we talked about it, kind of mentioned it before, the, the pod, like Chud's, right? Obviously, it's like a Yeah, big that's a big inspiration, inspiration for this movie. And it's like... Again, he's letting his his love for cinema help him create a new story, but in his own perspective. And again, or well, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. I'll save that. But I was going to say is this movie. That's why I just even even when I was watching last time, there's some parts for me that feel a little like weak. But then I'm like, this is a completely original idea, and like I I respect it enough just for that because I don't think anybody else could really pull off this story. In all honesty. Yeah, definitely. Um, it kind of reminds me of something like They Live. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Not really in execution or anything, but just this idea of kind of this whole other, not I, I guess dimension kind of, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like the tethered live in this alternate reality of the ones that we live in. So it just made me think of that movie almost as if our family is like has the glasses on, you know, and yeah, they're, exactly. they're being the first witness to all of this. Um, but I don't want to get into the inspirations yet either, but there's so many things going on in this movie where if you're a big movie fan, you're like, I recognize that. I recognize that. I see. I, I've seen that before, but he does it in a way much like Quentin Tarantino, where he takes these things that he loves and he throws them in the blender and he makes this smoothie. That's like so original. And you're like, damn, I've never seen anything like this before. Yeah. And uh, even I would say the M night Shyamalan aspect of it too. That's, to me, it's like Jordan Peele. I think of M. Night Shyamalan, and I think Alfred Hitchcock had a baby, and it's yeah. Jordan Peele. <laughs> and it's, it's just hitting all of, like, literally the best of what they could both come up with. It's not – he's not – he's really taking in all the junk in that blender. All the bones are being left that, that weren't able to execute on both of their sides. Because, like, M. Night to me is, like, he has, like, two or three to really, like, I like, and then everything else I'm like, oh, my God, you know? Yeah. But I can, like – Jordan Peele's track record already is, I feel like it's already better than his. So <laughs> it's like he takes the same from like what you're talking about is like the perfect comparison. And I think the horror aspect in this movie, like some, yes, uh, yeah, yesterday when I was watching it, I just thought about um, there are certain scenes where I'm like, where it makes you have those questions, right? But then I'm also like, is wouldn't that be the most scary thing, right? If you you yourself you're like, what the fuck is going on? Isn't that one of the scariest things that could happen? Like everything else we see is usually like, oh, it's a monster. So it's, you can, or it's you know Michael Myers. It's a person that's super strength. Like as long as I don't see the person, I'm good, right? Yeah. But in this one, it's like, dude, what the fuck is going on? Like, wouldn't that be the one of the most scariest things that could happen? I yeah. I mean, honestly, if 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 you knocked on your own door mm-hmm. and we're trying to kill you. <laughs> Um, I know Jordan Peele had said that a doppelganger, the idea of the doppelganger is like one of the scariest ideas to him. Mm -hmm. And it's been prevalent in many different stories over hundreds and thousands of years, right? Mm -hmm. That this idea of the mirror version of you, um, I I feel like we can't help but get to the inspirations kind of early because this movie is full of so many of them. So I guess we could just crack this open now. But I saw that... uh, or I actually heard him say it in a behind-the-scenes snippet I was watching that 
it's an episode of the Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. That's one of the main inspirations for this. And we already talked about on the Nope episode how he worked on the new version of the Twilight Zone. So it, 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 this movie feels like yeah, that as well. It does. You know, and I just feel like be, because the way that this movie is made, you can't help but talk about the references and the inspirations. It feels like it's a love letter to movies a little more than Get Out was and or even Nope. Yeah. Yeah. I'll go ahead. No, no, I was gonna say, I was just agreeing with that. Like, I it, it is a big like to me out of the three, it's it's that more than anything. If you've watched any of the movies inspired by or the Twilight Zone, which I know we both have, like that's this whole feeling of this movie is a is a really long Twilight Zone episode where <laughs> yeah. at the end of it, you could expect the guy in the suit just kind of telling you have to tell you the answers because that's what the like in the era the Twilight Zone was at, they needed that recap, right? Like to kind of just tell you be like. You would expect that out of this movie, but you don't get it. And I think that that's what's ambitious about this movie we talked about. It leaves you with more questions after the first viewing, and you have to watch it again. Yeah, I feel like a lesser movie would have the newscast at the end that kind of just tells you. You remember back mm-hmm. in 90s mm-hmm. movies, a lot of the times the movie would go black, and then it would the screen would kind of split back open, and you'd see either a television or a newscast recapping that. exactly what happened in the entire movie. <laughs> I feel like that's maybe what some people would want at the end of this movie because it leaves you with so many different questions. But Jordan Peele is above doing something like that. I feel like that's a cheaper filmmaking technique you could uh, put into a movie. But Especially at the end because, interestingly enough, this one has it in the beginning. But it's kind of... What's it's more alluding to what's, to what's gonna though, happen it's like it's alluding to the themes that it's going to talk about. You know, or like where what is going on like the main reason why this is happening and that's where i feel like some people it kind of goes over their head because it's literally the first scenes for like i think like 20 seconds or something and that's the stuff that like being able to watch it at home we didn't have it obviously in the theater but you can go back and be kind of like that's like that reagan era you know what i mean which i don't i don't really have too much commentary on i wasn't alive for it but it seems like all those themes of the movies and or that that era is really what this movie's commenting on, and that's the kind of stuff where when I first watched it, it kind of just went over my head, honestly. Yeah, it's got a lot of the themes of like you know I've heard him talk about American exceptionalism, kind of just feeling like Americans deserve the life they have mm-hmm. instead of just being lucky that you happen to be born here in this country. Um, it's got a lot to do with like class and society and things like that, that's- and I think this is where the big you can capitalize the social and social thriller for this movie mm-hmm. a lot more than get out. Cause get out is about race and us is about uh, class. I would say is the, is the biggest theme that he's working with here. Mm-hmm. And then with Nope, it's spectacle. So I feel right. like after this, he's probably going to uh, tackle a whole new like sub genre that he's kind of creating yeah. on the fly, <laughs> which is very interesting. So I, we've talked about a few, who have okay? So we've talked about Robert Eggers, and we've talked about Jordan Peele now, and we've ta- we're doing both of their filmographies, right? Correct. So this isn't a category I think we could have every episode, but do you think that Jordan Peele had a sophomore slump or a most improved player year with this movie? Mm, good point. I want to throw it to sports a little bit. Let's think about it like a like Anthony Edwards or Lamelo Ball or something like that. How would you rate Jordan Peele coming off of this second movie? I think I think it's the most improved. Yeah. Honest. Yeah, I do uh like yeah, I I do. Uh, he didn't hit that he didn't hit that wall. I think 
the the thing is with this, this is such an interesting movie because conceptually, I do think that it's we talked about a level up, right? So I think it, it's like when Dejounte Murray was like, "Oh, I could start getting rebounds and assists," right? And it's like, but you just realizing you can do that, and I think maybe your points go down a little bit, but that's because you're trying to be a little bit more multi, like faceted, right? So. I feel like obviously for a lot of people, Get Out is like almost a perfect film, and I yeah. think it's it's heavy handedness that you're talking about compared to this movie, at least, in terms of it's about one thing about commenting on like um like black exceptionalism and what it means in this country, right? But it, because I feel like that literally was something a movie was never made like that about, especially then when he made it. That movie is special in that way, but then this movie, I feel like he takes us. Like, it was really hard to obviously push. He wasn't going to make another film about the same theme because he didn't want to box himself into that. But then also he wanted to make something bigger because we know now, based off of Nope, his inspirations are like Spielberg for those horror films. And and in terms of, like, this this film just tries to tackle so much more. And on rewatches now, every time I watch it, I think I like it more, you know, and yeah. because... I think I start to understand because I've looked into it now, like, oh, this is actually about something that really went over my head the first time. And I think isn't that the, it's like for this podcast, at least for us three, I know that like, isn't that kind of what we like so much more when it's kind of, we, more questions do arise. And then when we do get the answers, we're like, damn, that makes it so much better because they're not just snobby questions. Like I didn't give you the answer because I want you to think, no, it's like, I, I gave you these questions so you could really think about what is this movie trying to say? And when you really sit down and think about it, I think like the tethered plays so much, so many people could fit in the tethered. Cause like you're talking about, it's like a class thing. Yeah. And when the haves like, and the have nots, like, especially like in everybody can watch this movie and they're different in a different class. Right. And it's like, I, I do think when you're trying to better yourself or if you're really down at the bottom, you could identify with what this, what this movie is trying to say. And it's just, like you said, sprinkled with horror to actually make it like, oh my God, the monster's chasing you. But you could kind of take that concept away and it's still kind of really just commenting on American classism. It could be like this dramatic thriller, but by having those small sprinkles here and there, he really elevates it into being a horror film, which it's it's close to not being one. I like um, I like what you said about the characters as well. You have to have these small outburst of violence so that you can be reminded that this is a quote-unquote monster movie mm -hmm. as well so you do have to have these tethered acting like brute strength animalistic some of them just look sadistic they kind of they, they gave me like zombie vibes the first time i saw it but um when i was watching some behind the scenes stuff with the makeup artist he said that the aesthetic they were going for was kind of like these like zoned out vampires more than zombies. Mm. So that when you really like look at the tethered, if you notice, they all look like they're depraved of sunlight, obviously. So they all kind of have this weird like glow to them. Yeah. And their eyes are all like those, uh, like raccoon circles, you know what I mm. mean? Um, their hair looks all like greasy and like, it hasn't been taken care of in a while. They have these really distinct outfits, right? That, we'll get to what those mean later, but they have these, dis they just have this distinct look that is so iconic on the first viewing where yeah. I think it really, everything about it just cements that you're in a horror movie. Like when you s are seeing the tethered, I think that's the point I was trying to make. <laughs> I kind of yeah. got off track no, a little bit, but um, 
I just think it's so like, I know we're talking about get out and us and the differences. And I think that this really is trying to be a monster movie versus get out. Just having that like human horror aspect to it, because I do think that the tethered are meant to be looked at as less than. And I think that also has something to do with like the, the class talk and the society talk going on in this movie. But it still kind of stumps me to this day exactly what he's trying to say when I think about this movie. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think it was only because we're doing this episode for it that I, I'll be honest, I like remotely looked into trying to get explanations. I usually don't like looking at that stuff because I don't like being led to, oh, it's about this. But this movie has so many themes thrown at you, like little hints that you might like for for us like we weren't alive for it so why would i know what that type of era was like that 10-year difference that he has on us that's commenting on how america was during a certain era and i have no i don't know anything about it i'm sure my dad does but it's not something that we talk about you know and i think that this movie did need a little bit more of like me looking into it to try to figure out like well what does jordan peele kind of came out and said you know what are his inspirations and i feel like that's the most you can really take from what are those movies kind of commenting on it's usually about like classism and just kind of uh not appreciating what you have and i think this movie even takes a step further in terms of we create our own shadows because we kind of take we we try to further ourselves so so forward right in american classism that we kind of like do this i don't know kind of i guess you'd call it like shitty motives or just these actions that aren't really the greatest of us highlighted and we put them in our shadow self and that thing lives underground and all of these and i feel like it's just an embodiment of that idea yeah the last thing i really want to say about the themes and ideas going on in this movie is I don't think that there is any good and evil characters. I think that because of the big twist in this movie later on, mm -hmm. that you're meant to feel empathy towards everyone at least a little bit because mm -hmm. everyone in this movie is trying to survive. Um, so, I, I mean, when it's survival times, things are just a lot different. You know, you kind of can't judge these characters the same way you would in a different setting. But... No, uh, should we just talk about the the big reveal at the end? Because I mean, spoilers. Yes, right. I it's been I, long I, enough. No, if you want to see this movie, you would have seen it by now. I do think uh, it's just because you want to tie it into something. That yeah. You're gonna say because I was gonna say is like I do think we should t talk about it. I do think we should wait a bit to talk about it. Do you think your idea could wait, or like what you're trying to say, or is just perfect for right now? Uh, if it is, I like, mean, I'm not going to say it's perfect for right now. I'm not the perfect podcaster. But. No, I, get, I don't know what you mean, though, because sometimes we, we may forget what we're going to say because it's just perfectly lit up right now. But um, Because I do want to – we have to talk about it, though, for sure. But uh, you know how sometimes we wait a little bit? That's the only – that's my only – We'll moment. wait. We'll wait. We'll wait. All, All right. right, cool, All right cool, so cool. let's just let's just move on and let's talk about the cast. I yeah? did want to tie into something that you said just to close out that thought, though, is that he does such a good idea with that twist – to kind of at the end solidify the idea that even the tether do not know what's going on either. Yeah. So that's why you have to show some sympathy because just as confused as they are, it's just as confused as the other party in this film is. And it's just like, what is going on? Right. <laughs> yeah. that, 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 like that's the big question. And yeah, I just wanted to, to help solidify like your point with that. All right. I, thank you for doing that because I was going to get, I was totally going to get off track, but We'll talk about the cast because I feel like that's mm -hmm. the huge highlight in this movie. And I feel like this is Jordan Peele's um, strongest 
characteristic as a director is yeah. his work with the actors. I think he brings out phenomenal performances of every actor that he works with. Um, and I think that that is going to be his calling card going forward. Oops, excuse me for that. Um, I do think that that's going to be his calling card is his ability to get these great performances out of actors who maybe are underappreciated by other directors, but he, he just knows who to get and how to get a hell of a performance out of them. And I know it's because he's a collaborator. I mean, he's, he's an actor as well, so he mm -hmm. knows what that's like. Um, but the performances by the, yeah, performances by Lupita Nyong'o in this movie are, they got to be one of the most slept on performances of that decade, right? Of 10, 2010 to 2020. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's up there with Tony Collette and Hereditary is yes, probably is. like the biggest snubs I can think of because you're getting two for the price of one in this and they're two completely different performances. And when you're watching this movie, you can't even, you can't even think that it's the same person. It just feels so freaking different. You know yeah. what I mean? It's terrifying. It's, um, it's so satisfying to watch, watch it being executed. And I definitely feel like thanks to the cinematography as well, that it just, it blends together so well that that illusion falls away after about two seconds because it's so goddamn scary what you're seeing on the screen. <laughs> so how did you feel about those two performances the first time you watched this or even on the rewatch? Yeah. I, I mean, you put it out, laid it out pretty honestly too though, but, we, we did talk about it in the Nope episode as well because we compared it with Kiki Palmer. But I, I do think cast-wise, on the rewatch now, I could solidify that this is probably his strongest. They're just, they're all experienced too. But I think the, the standout here for me, yeah, is obviously her, you know. And I think it's, it's the fact that um, they're two different characters, but... But then again, with the reveal, you kind of you see how they're kind of all intertwined, too. And they're not that much different in real aspect. Like it was enough to maintain the illusion of that the whole movie up until basically the last, what, two minutes, right? Like, yeah. Like something like that, maybe like three minutes. And I think that that's what even makes it more interestingly a dynamic of a performance, honestly, the fact that. In the same way, yeah, I think Hereditary is a really good comparison with Tony Collette because Tony Collette kind of does the same thing in Hereditary, and I th I think it's very slept on, and I think Jordan Peele wanted to have someone like her. I I feel like her ability, Lupita Nyong, is a ability to be able to have performances like this. Jordan Peele understands, and that's why he she he wanted him her for this role, and. We kind of talked about that joke last time, too, about, like, how Star Wars kind of butchered having her. Yeah. And I think she should have more roles, honestly. And she's just, not in enough. No, she's not. No. I mean, unlike Daniel Kaluuya, who is on fire and is in something almost every year, mm -hmm. and it's usually a big movie as well, Lupita Nyong'o had... Hasn't been doing as much, I would say, or it's kind of under the radar stuff. Like, I saw the zombie movie she made on Hulu... I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. I think it's called Little Monsters. Um, she made it? Well, she's in it. Oh. It's, a, it's a zombie movie, and it came out right after Us, so I think she was kind of trying to double down in the horror genre mm. really quick. Um, that's a horror comedy, but I feel like she's just so underappreciated. I mean, I know she, maybe she's busy with Black Panther and things like that. Like, I don't right, understand yeah. how much time that takes up. Maybe it's taken up a majority of her time. I know when once you're in that system, you kind of get locked into it, but... 
she's she's in the Disney studio, but they're not using her the right way. And I feel like Jordan Peele and her performances prior to even being in Star Wars and things like that, that's where she's really shined. But she should she's not as big as she should be. I mean, I think she's maybe been in like a Netflix movie here or there. I th- unless I'm wrong, I think she's in that movie like the three six five or something like that. Yeah, but that's, that's she just is not being utilized the right way, and I don't understand why. Because she's proven time and time again that she's a phenomenal actor, and I don't know how you could watch us and you're not lined up to just have her in like a hundred different things. You know and what I mean, mean uh, he he did that so well in Get Out, highlighting that, and in this too, kind of taking a little. Imagine if forward. she was in Dune. How cool would that yeah, be? Yeah, right? exactly. That'd be that'd be phenomenal. <laughs> that's that's a great idea. <laughs> she should be in Dune. Cast her. Yeah. What about Oppenheimer? Why, why, yeah, why, <laughs> why not Oppenheimer? Was in Oppenheimer? Why not her? <laughs> but um, this is where we talk about where Jordan Peele really differentiates himself in terms of a creative director and how what he can pull out of these characters or not these actors. Sorry, and like it might just be because they both understand. Uh, Jordan Peele is also an actor, like you said, and he's also black. And it's like, I feel like that is a, a dynamic that doesn't obviously exist in Hollywood very much, especially for these type of movies. Like we talked about, there's, there was Ava DuVernay, right? Yeah, she kind of fell off. Ryan Coogler and like him. And it's not that there, there is more black directors, obviously. But, but I'm not on about a certain the, level of filmmaking. Where they've been given, I guess, like the green light by even most studios. You like know? Free Reign. Yeah. I mean, Jordan Peele has about as much, I mean, as far as we know, has about as much control as you could possibly have as a director. And I think it's paid dividends for Universal. You know, they've seen the, they've gotten the reward for letting him do his own thing. And I mean, I don't know how much free reign Ryan Coogler has. I mean, I'm guessing not a ton. Exactly. And Ava Ava DuVernay has kind of just fallen off the side of the cliff. You know what I mean? So Jordan Peele is really unfortunately one of a kind right now and i feel like that connection that he, they can make they really try to bring their a-game with him you know and they because they really take their platform seriously in terms of forwarding that not every black movie should be about slavery yeah exactly you know? i think they to, they don't all have to be pain stories and i think they take that very seriously with him and he knows how to draw specifically like let's make something that steven spielberg would make or or let's make something that's going to resonate and i think this movie us like in 20 years people will like it more yeah, I I do see what you're saying about that like Spielberg touch that he has in his movies. I mean, this one you have like a, a small Jaws reference, mm-hmm. right? Or um, I seen uh, well, I gotta stop saying I seen. I heard Jordan Peele talking about in an interview that he loves the uh like the horror genre of There Goes the Neighborhood. You know, it's mm-hmm. just, it's a family mm-hmm. something like Poltergeist where the whole neighborhood just goes completely to shit. Yeah. Kind of becomes apocalyptic at some point, but he had never seen it through a black family's perspective and exactly. you know, he took it into his own hands of okay, well, I'm going to make that movie then. And this movie has a beautiful family dynamic mm-hmm. since we're talking about the cast. I mean, Winston Duke plays a perfect yeah, just regular dad. You know what Perfect. I mean. Trying to impress his kids, but they think he's lame. Uh, the kids give a phenomenal performance in this, and like you said, uh, it's not one of those movies that has an all black cast for the most part and makes it about pain or slavery. It's a movie about seeing them in a positive light, even though they're going through some horrible shit. But mm. it's at least nice to see it from a different perspective. I mean, as Latinos, we know like they're never gonna make this movie. F- 
for us. Yeah. Well, we'll get one of these in like 40 years, maybe. Yeah. Somebody, <laughs> somebody who watched this movie will be inspired by something. Great. Yeah, some seven-year-old when this is like the first horror movie they've seen. Uh, we're rooting for you, kid. They're like, yeah, wait a minute. <laughs> but th- yeah, this is obviously, that's just commenting obviously too on America as a whole, but those films do not exist. And then he has someone like Sidney Pontier's movies that are kind of like the beginnings of that, but they've never been remixed, I guess you would be the word, with horror films. They've always been kind of, I guess they'd be serious dramas or something, right? Or feel-good stories at the end. They're too, Yeah, they're too also like special in their kind where they, they don't really want to try to throw a horror element in there. But Jordan Peele is like, well, wait. Like, there's, there's a way to comment on these things, but also make them understand the horrors of these things, right? And I think no one could do it like him. And I think that's why this film stands out still to me and why the cast obviously just he knows who to pick for these roles and you brought up the kids like the kids do i think it's a phenomenal job in this film and i think that's why i think it's my favorite cast out of all of his because he gets a whole family to act like you truly believe they've been a family you know yeah like we where we start with our family is very shining like we're Mm -hmm. just in the car with them right but uh, and we get those overhead shots i mean i feel like the shining really is heavily influencing the first two movies with these uh the blueprint yeah they're like the blueprint you the know shining. what i mean <laughs> the shining <laughs> like start your movie like the shining and then go from there <laughs> yeah <laughs> but um i do believe that this family is a real family from the second we see them you know they're just in the car on a little road trip or whatever but that dynamic is just there. I mean, Winston Duke sells being a dad so well. And I don't know if you remember him from, he kind of got his big break on modern family a few years prior. Oh really? No. I didn't yeah. Know he, he, uh, he played a football player, um, high school aged oh. who lived <laughs> with cam and Mitchell. But a few years later, he's playing like a 35 year old dad in us. So I don't, this guy's range is teenager to middle-aged man, apparently. Was this was this before uh, Black Panther? I don't remember. Uh, yeah, I think. Let me make sure. Well, Modern Family was before Black Panther. No, no, and sure, then yeah. um, Black Panther and then Us. Because remember he's in Black Panther? Yeah, and he's in Baku. I mean, Cause that was, that was, these were the back-to-back punches. I don't remember yeah. what order they are, but these were the two things that solidified him as like a, a big star. And I know he's been in quite a few things, but... This is easily his best performance. I think so. Because he was given the, the the role to do so. Yeah. And I, I mean, he play, he plays that like Clark Griswold type dad so well. He's just trying to impress his kids. I mean, he's he buys the boat, craw daddy. You know, he's constantly competing with Tim Heidecker's character for who has more. You mm-hmm. know, I, he comments on things like, oh, well, he got a brand new car. And oh, their beach house is bigger than our beach house. And just seeing it from someone like Winston Duke who... Um, has that like has that range it just kind of threw me off the first time because i was like dude i just seen him playing a teenager and now i'm seeing him play like this middle-aged man and i don't know he just just something about him where he sells it so well he's charismatic but he's also very dorky i don't know he's He's got got a little phil dunphy going on yeah seriously (laughs) he's the perfect dad bot for this role yeah that's another thing too is he just has the dad look like put him in some new balances and some khakis and i totally buy it i really see though honestly this role to me it feels like it's jordan peele to me kind of yeah i get it like a little dorky 
but yeah. also trying to be also really funny, but just kind of dorky. Like maybe it's him trying to be like, this is what I would be if this was my family. Like yeah. this would be the dad that I would want to be. And it's because, you know, Winston Duke is huge too. It's probably like at least like six. It looks like he's at least six, two or something like that. So, and I, I think again, the kind of, um, relationship they all have as a family feels also real in terms of if you ever had any black friends or if you've ever hang, hung out with their family in terms of how they see the world and how they see society and how they get along with each other it's very different than anything you usually see and i think that's the stuff that they can get right because they are all part of black american families you know and, and i think that's like a really what I really enjoy from this movie the most is they they still act like like when Winston Duke they the tethered come into his property right like he still try he like you said dorky so at first he doesn't really want to do much like he's like you know I'll just talk to them down but then later he turned on that like I have to be the hero right and he kind of just goes out there and he does his deep voice he's like, hold on let me like try that. to scare these people yeah he gets out even of though that. he doesn't want to we Except, all know that's not him that's just the he's trying to you know jordan peele turns it on his head and it's like oh let me try to like act like a stereotype so i can try to scare these people but holy fuck i'm scared shitless exactly <laughs> and like we get that and that's what i wanted to say too about this movie is that i think it I have to rewatch Get Out because I thought Get Out was it was funny, but this one feels like the it might be the funniest one. Oh, definitely because of him, because of Winston Duke's yeah, character, and the kids too. Mm-hmm. The kids have some funny one liners. Um, I wanted to talk about. I believe his name is Evan Alex. Uh, oh, let me make sure I have that right. But he plays. Uh, yeah, it is Evan Alex. He plays Jason. And his performance is hilarious in this movie. Uh, I like the part when he tells his sister, he's like, yeah, go kiss my anus. Yeah. <laughs> and he's anus like, anus is, is the curse word. word. Yeah. He's like, I would have preferred you to a curse <laughs> word. And it's just those small things where I can definitely see the Spielberg shining through because of E.T. I think there's something he says in E.T. I can't remember. I You should pull my cinephile card for this because I'm sure people are screaming right now who are listening to this. Like, he said this. But it's like something along the lines of like he calls him a butt face or like an ass face or something like that. And I was just like, oh, there he goes. I can see the Spielberg right there. And he's trying to have that brother sister arguing dynamic that we see. And he he really got that uh, in Nope. But I feel like this is where it started. Right. Mm-hmm. Like him building upon his ideas. Um, those are the those are the kids growing up in Nope. Yeah. It's kind of got that same dynamic. Mm-hmm. But uh Yeah. I mean, this family, I just feel like they play a perfect family, and I do think we have to talk about their other side as well. We definitely can't leave that out. So all these characters that we've just talked about, they also have dual roles as tethereds who are complete opposite versions of them. And uh, I don't know about you, but I think this is where they get the most time to shine. Yeah, because, I mean, this is where we've talked about a little of this with the tragedy of Macbeth in terms of... um, body contortion yeah so jason the shadow version of him does that pluto does that yeah he does that a lot in this in his role and that's what i mean kind of like it most of their acting comes from their shadow so because even though they can't really talk they show so much personality through even him like a mask or sometimes taking off the mask so show, show so much personality and then through their actions they say so much and they're also meant to be polar opposites of the their regular self so they act they like like the sister's character her shadow self to me seems the most creepy you know yeah she's definitely the scariest because she's she looks like demented you Mm -hmm. know what i mean she's got that sick joker smile on her face the entire movie exactly (laughs) so and and i think that's really that that's really good because in in the terms of the family she seems the most uninterested 
you know, and what's kind of going on at first. So she seems like she's in it for the kills, not for the whole message and revolution that the character Red is going for. Exactly. It doesn't like uh, so her shadow self just kind of seems so in the same way, just more about it, it does. It doesn't it doesn't matter to her what's going on, like kind of like. Yeah, sorry, I lost my track of thought. You there. know what, though, I'm glad you brought that up because in our in our car sequence in the very beginning of the, f- the family just on the road trip, um, the sister character is telling the family about like all these events that are going on oh, in the yeah. world, right? Woke. She's a woke. Warrior. Yeah, she's a woke warrior. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's you know she's very aware of what's going on. She's I mean, g- goddamn, she has an iPhone. Of course, she knows what's exactly. going on. But uh, she's telling them all these things. Some you know stuff about the climate, stuff you know just I forget exactly what she says, but the family just kind of brushes it off, and I feel like we've all kind of been in this scenario where you tell your family something horrible you just read, and they're like, put your put your phone away, oh you don't need to be worried about that, and uh, she tells them she's like, well I'm the only one who cares about the end of the world I guess, yeah, but through her tethered I feel like what she said is correct. She seems completely unbothered by this whole thing. It's just kind of fun for her. We see her. We see her uh, go on a hunt, and it looks like she's having a fucking blast. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then her her real version, Zora, is obviously going through the worst thing she's ever been through. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like the living nightmare of having all this information at your grasp and not being able to know that this was coming. But where was the article about mole people? No one warned me about the mole people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would have told them and we would have all been prepared. Uh, I Jordan Peele did say that Zora and Umbre, that's her tethered version, that that was his favorite character in the movie because he felt like it just embodied the movie the best. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see that. I would say my least favorite of the tethered performances is Winston Dukes, just yeah. because they make him so brutish. Yeah. yeah, they do the boys kind of dirty, you know. Like at least Pluto's got the cool arsonist thing going Man. on. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. He he's got a fire. He's got a cool look. He likes fire. Like, I, I can yeah. get down with I that. Yeah, that. but uh, Abraham, the tethered version of Gabe, the husband. Sorry if we haven't said their names yet. Um, I just feel like he is just down for the cause. He's kind of just the, the the bane of this movie, the, the heavy for Red. Yeah. He's just like, yeah, sure, whatever. I, I think they did a good way of setting that up, though, too, because even when uh, Lupin and Iongo's shadow is talking about that, like, they didn't even get married because they wanted to. It's because their real versions did. So it's kind of like in terms of even what's going on down there, they're not really meant – they're not really a family like, it's just that he happens to be the head of it because his real self is the head of the real family. This is going to get a little sidetracked, but I know these are the types of questions that you have about this movie. Is So, if you think about the how this movie works, right? We have these underground tunnels that house these tethered, right? We I guess we have to assume that every person in the United States has a cloned version of themselves living underground, right? In a way, yeah, I guess. I guess so. no. Well, yeah. Who yeah. knows, right? Who that's knows? that's the whole point. Uh, Lupita Nyong'o's character and Winston Duke's character—if they're not from the same area—how did like these are the kind of questions I have? It's like, mm-hmm. where does he come from? You know, did he have to travel from? Maybe he lived underground in Texas or something like that, and she lived underground in California. So, was he transported there? Like, what brings them together? You know, these are the things that you're never going to get an answer for, but they leave you that question that's just going to, like, 
itch at your brain forever you know you're like how how does that work Do, yeah. did they just so happen to grow up in the same area before they gave up on this experiment did they transport him to like oh we got to take your ass over here to california those are, now? Yeah, those are the those are what i mean is when i get there and i'm like hmm that's why it makes me like i like what this movie says but it makes so much questions in terms of the story too because we even get that one like uh jason's character is about to do some evil Knievel shit, right? And then it's like all of a sudden he just remembers, oh, he's my shadow. I could just do this one thing and he'll have to follow. But like he hasn't been following anything you've done up until any point in this movie. So how come all of a sudden he's like, oh, wait, I have to do exactly what he does? Yeah. Those are the things where I'm like, that's very convenient. Then now they could do that. It's plot armor. Come on. Our main characters have to live, dog. That out of the three movies to me seems like to take me out the most in this movie when I was rewatching it. Like those those stuff that you just brought up, like um, I guess like cinema sins type shit. Like, you know, you're like where the clock never changed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's like, well, they're just sometimes I'm like, I guess because, again, the whole premise of this movie is you don't understand and that's the kind of the horror. But then I'm like, that seems a little like convenient that like you don't you wouldn't get how that that works. I mean, he's I feel like he go he's going against the precedent he set because in Get Out, you do have the big exposition at the end explaining mm-hmm. every single thing and why it makes sense. And, you know, exactly what the fuck is the going dude in on in the room in the Matrix, the TV, two, the right? TV, like the I talked one? about. Wow. He has deployed that tactic before. Cheap. <laughs> the first one. Yeah, but uh, and the people ate it. Yeah, <laughs> the people ate that shit up. <laughs> no, um, yeah, I mean, these are the questions you're asking throughout the movie, but I feel like the execution is done well enough to. I don't want to say ignore it, but by the time you get to the end, you realize like it doesn't fucking matter because apparently the world has gone to complete shit. Mm-hmm. But. It does leave a lot of questions. Yeah, we just like that's like not even questions that it's like, what is this about? To me, it's like, how would you explain this? Like, how does that make any sense? Or there's more, but where did they get the scissors? Where did they get the red outfits? Right? Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I mean, these are kind of not unforgivable things, but they just leave you with so many questions. Like maybe if these people had been naked, I wouldn't even be, I'd be like, damn, that's just creepy and weird as <laughs> yeah. fuck. It's like, it's like some weird attack on Titan shit. They're getting attacked by <laughs> doppelgangers who are naked. <laughs> Cause like, obviously we get the allegory with the, with the scissors, what it means, right? Like untether yourself, cut. The yeah. Line, right? And it's a Freddy Krueger type of deal. You know, I mean, you got the glove, you get the scissors. This is, Heavily influenced by Nightmare on Elm Street, I would say. And that's where we talk about, like, sprinkling the horror elements in there, right? Knowing what we like in horror films. And we do, like, we talk about, we like gloves breaking through glass, right? Yes. And giallos. Yes. So there is certain things that just work so well in terms of creating a horror movie and it being an, a, as ambitious as this is. But there's a lot of questions in that same, like, because, damn. More than usual, right? More than there should be. Yeah, because, I mean, like, in Giallo's, you know, they just wear all black, black gloves. Like, I'm never questioning, like, where'd they get that outfit from? Yeah. But with the tethered, it's so uniform. It's so precise. I mean, how did you get this many sandals? How did you... Do the tethered have an Amazon account? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, just where'd they get these <laughs> jumpsuits from? tethered Amazon, right? Yeah, exactly. It's just... It's questions that you shouldn't even... You shouldn't even be no, thinking no. about, right? But he... I feel like they wanted to make these people look iconic and give them a, like a, a new horror look yeah. that we'll be thinking about for years. But fortunately, nobody thinks about movies for years anymore, except for people like us. Yep. But I don't know. 
maybe he's trying to make a Halloween costume, you know? It's just something you'll always think about. You're like, damn, the red jumpsuits, the sandals, the scissors. But I just remember thinking the first time I watched this movie, I'm like, where'd they get all this shit? <laughs> That's like, yeah, this is the plot holes where I'm like, huh, I guess, yeah, we, we could just ride with it, you know? Or I always think, like, when I was watching, I was like, how come it, like, she had to come back? to the beach though for everything to start like how like why I, didn't they track her down or why did why did it not happen anytime at like well I, and i guess i understand later because it explains how instrumental lupita nyong'o's shadow is to i guess like liberating the idea well, now that we're here can we talk about this yeah i feel like this reveal is this, go ahead so okay so <laughs> the reveal we get at the end and this on, honestly I, I like how this, this is a top tier twist. Yeah, <laughs> like this is this is sick, and I like uh, like how Jason is kind of like us in the audience, right? He starts he gets these little hints throughout. Yeah, I I do love it how at the end it pays off. Anyways, though, our twist is that Lupita Nyong'o's shadow self took her in the beginning, and it's kind of she replaced her. So it's kind of been the shadow one that's been. The one we've been watching through this whole movie, and that's why for the long time she says she has a hard time speaking. It's because she's really been learning how to try to speak with them because we know that they can't speak. And we get, like, kind of just flashbacks on um, her shadow version not being able to talk because she kind of fucked up her throat when she first took her. And we just so we get this reveal, and I think it just really works, the reveal, because the shadow self is so convinced that she was never... She doesn't remember either that she was the real self, you know? And I, I just think it... It's. I was not expecting that the first time that I saw it, and I just think it's, yeah, one of the top twists that I've seen in a long time, and so, wh- wh- why did we bring that up? What were we talking about? Um, well, I wanted. Let's just get it. Let's just be completely clear here, just in case anyone didn't get that. So we've been rooting for the wrong character the entire time. Yeah. Right. So the Lupita Nyong'o that we think is our protagonist and main character is actually her tethered version. And the version that is chasing after her, who we assume is the tethered in the beginning is the, the real Lupita Nyong'o that was kidnapped as a little kid. Mm -hmm. Um, She got separated from her parents. She went into this maze that apparently leads to the underground tunnel. This is another one of those, like, what the fuck? Why, why are these two things connected? Right. (laughs) Or like, why would it, I mean, realistically, like a lot of people would be going to these mazes at the beach and like, why would this be the one maze where this, that would connect? Right. It's very convenient to the story, but um so that's our that's our big reveal even though we do get these small little hints seen through the eyes of jason um there is a sequence where lupita nyong'o has to murder um a tethered version of her friends and she gives these real guttural grunts and noises that you know jason sees and he starts to kind of put one and two together he's like this what like what's going on here and, um, you know, later on towards the end, he gets he gets that key piece of information and he he much like us has to kind of just reckon with what happened of like, holy oh, fuck, shit. I've been like living with the wrong person the yeah, entire time. Exactly. <laughs> um, I kind of got sidetracked to him while we brought it up, but we had to get to it eventually. Um, do you I, damn this is some bad podcasting right yeah, here. No, I got sidetracked <laughs> in terms of why we brought it up. Uh, um I guess we were talking about no, I don't really remember why we brought it up. <laughs> the, um 
But where do yeah. you want to go from here, though? Now that we've had this reveal, um, I think I think that it really kind of cements the movie going forward of like what this well not not doesn't cement it going forward. It cements everything that you've just seen. Oh, we were talking. Sorry, I just kind of remember what we were talking about. We were talking about like stuff that doesn't make sense to us. Okay. And then I think that reveal was one of the ones like, because <clears throat> once you get that reveal, I guess for me, I kind of just have questions in terms of because I said, why does she have to come back? Oh, okay. Here we go. For, the, go. for them to like, um, like it's time, it's this time to activates. start the revolution. Yeah, yeah. Why does the revolution activate? It's time to help do the helping hands chain across America thing, right? And okay, so I, I guess what I was gonna get at is that. This all only starts to really make sense or you connect the themes and what it's trying to say. Not after the first watch. Because after the first watch, it's like all of these, like, it, it does feel like an M. Night Shyamalan twist. Or you're like, wait, what? Like, then it just arises more questions in terms of, like, so, if, like, if the little girl walked herself down and then, right, they switched, like, wouldn't she know how the way to get out? Yeah. Well, she's handcuffed. That's the thing. She's kind of a prisoner. For a while. But then, like, also, like, how does she eventually, like, who gets her out of the handcuffs? And how does she ev- apparently at one point become, like, the leader of the revolution? And why is she a little kid? Why have, why, yeah. <laughs> why have all these people decided that she's the she chosen the one? one I mean, right? it's because do the, do the tethered know that she's not tethered? So that like, we could use the untethered to get us info to how to become, like, because so we get, like, the, we get um, her friend, Kate Moss, Kate Moss's character. Yeah. Her shadow self tries to start crying when she's showing that the shadow husband is dying and try to replicate what a real human would do, right? And then she starts laughing because she's sinister. And I just kind of feel like that's what is that what she brought to the table to be able to teach them, like, this is how you would act in up there. I wonder, I wonder what I always wondered is, does she start to teach them about free will? Mm-hmm. Because they there is chain, these right? instances of them having free will, it seems like, versus other points where it becomes convenient to just oh you have to mirror me and do exactly what I'm doing. Yeah, because remember we get the scene where they're like they're on the roller coaster, so all of them are like fake in a roller coaster and acting like, and that's what I mean is like, well, how do you break the free will chain? And is it because they saw that she had free will? And I know we get again this like what I mean is like I think I would need to watch it again but like I know we get the scene of like when the ba- the baller her dancing the ballerina scene is like that's the point where she breaks the free will right like we get that reveal and then that's when all the tethered like you're the chosen one we get that like we get that um yeah exactly we get that um Superman scene from Zack Snyder you know where they all put their hands out <laughs> like, yeah so Superman I mean. in Mexico like, I, even even uh that scene to me I guess Yesterday, I started talking about, like, this is a scene kind of explaining as much as it's going to explain in terms of she broke her free will that day. And then, but then that's where I have all the questions, like, okay, so she taught all of them how to break it, but why her? That's, like, just convenient to the story, right? And what's her chain of command, right? Yeah. Okay. Because who gets them the red suits her? Because she has free will now, like you said. Like she but she doesn't know what account. Amazon is because she, <laughs> she got trapped in there in the 80s. It's now the 2010s at this point in the movie. She never even saw the Lost Boys on there. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe. Oh, no. She could have been an extra, though. Yeah. But those are the, that's what I mean is like, so with our reveal, those questions start to pump up more. And because it's like, yeah, the reveal is like, it's cool. It's really cool. And everything about this movie is really cool. <laughs> <laughs> the way they use I Got Five on it is very cool. Yeah, it's very sick. 
Which that's kind of something we haven't brought up actually. The the, the score in all three of these movies are from um, uh, Michael Abel's. Michael Abel's, and um, the sound has become sometimes we call it the Jordan Peele sound, but it's really his. It's him in all three of these movies, and I think that's is where this movie gets elevated. Is the 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 score is perfect in almost all of the kills and all of those moments of suspense. If we didn't have this score, it wouldn't be as good of a movie. This is one of those movies that really is um it's done a service by having such a great score like it, it i i mean i okay i personally think this is a, this is a five-star movie but if it didn't have the score it'd be like a four or three and a half or something oh, like that you know saying. what i mean yeah. i do think it's got like the john williams effect or like the bernard herman effect where it's like this is making it so much better because so much of the horror also comes from the way the score is used it's got those like I don't know if it's violins or you know some kind of string instrument, but that that you know what I mean yeah. that feeling you get yep. throughout the whole movie and the way it's used in um, hand in hand with like the body movements that we see of like how the tether is like being jerked around by the above ground person. So like seeing the sound employed with the like the body acting, yeah, I just feel like it elevates it and makes it so much scarier. Something that we probably wouldn't really appreciate if it was done by somebody else i think those moments that you're talking about just because we did the horror bracket not too long ago in terms of which one as a pod we all like so much but like you get those things of what why we think Suspiria is so scary right those moments of like where it's not just like a slasher and thing but those that unreal knowing like what is going on and then getting those slasher moments from all of our classics you talked about like nightmare on elm street and they're so mixed in a in this film in such an american way that i honestly because we started talking about this because like the plot holes right all of those aspects of great filmmaking that were put into this with the score the cinematography the the what is the underlying themes makes me overlook those plot holes and that's why i think it's it's very unique i don't think i would usually like if somebody else had made this movie a different type of way i don't think i could overlook those plot holes but because i almost feel like i sometimes misunderstand this movie or i still haven't really grasped exactly what it's trying to tell me and that's why i'm always little like i don't know if it's that or i genuinely don't like those plot holes sometimes do get to me you know yeah it's a little bit of both i would say because it really is i mean I hate to say it again, but it really is such an interesting movie and such an interesting take on horror and something that is not exactly an original concept, but giving it such an original twist. You know what I mean? Yeah, and and, and just to like kind of bounce off what you were saying too, the score in such certain moments, like when the ballerina scene, like the kills, right when they're kind of fighting each other at the bottom, like this, like said the violin, like it just ingrains in my brain, like when I think about like favorite horror movies that i've seen and even though like sometimes i feel like i don't know how i sit on the fence with it it's not because it's not a miss like we talked about how i would give him the most improved player but there's just certain things in this movie that i think don't hit as well as i would like them to but it makes me feel like but the, the highs are so high there's some of the i think some of the highest in his three movies so far well to get that performance out of these actors to have this original idea to uh step up and scale and to go full on genre, like I wouldn't say it's like an exploitation film or anything like that, but it heavily leans into it by the end. Right. Like we get this apocalyptic ending. I do think that he brought so many new things to what he had already established with get out that 
it makes this movie too good to to the where like I, I don't really care about the the plot holes, even though I do feel like there's kind of a lot of them. Yeah, <laughs> no, but that, that's it's like a I I get it. Yeah, you know what I mean. I I I'm like damn, he's cooking. Be like, <laughs> yeah, be like, damn, be like that's. It, you know it. That's uh, what do they call it? Like uh, the cheese that has holes in it. Swiss cheese. That's Swiss cheese, but it's still Swiss cheese. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like damn. <laughs> I because this is yesterday. I just felt so. You know, in in, in a very unique situation with this movie because it's in and Nope in a way kind of carries to me in a little bit the same way, but because Nope is so much more, it is more UFO based, right? that it kind of like the misunderstanding makes sense because it's like, well, this is a whole other species. But the fact that here it's like, there's so many things that would have to go right for this to realistically happen. Yeah. That that's what kind of throws me off a little bit. And it's like, mm, very convenient to the story. But I also put myself like, I'm watching a fucking movie. Yeah. You know, like I didn't like there's, we watch a lot of things that are very unrealistic. Every Marvel movie is very unrealistic. And how come we don't use that trope there? Right. And so it's kind of like for the sake of this movie, these plot holes will become unanswered because I think even they don't have the answers to these things. Yeah. Like definitely. the tether don't know why they're putting on the red suits either. Like they could just be, they there. don't even know. Cause it's, it's cause of Michael Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> They don't. They don't know that there's. Yeah, like she put it. They don't even know Michael Jackson. (laughs) What a sad existence. Yeah. Yeah, What a sad existence. Seriously. (laughs) But you know, those are like I can overlook these because, and in another way too, it's um talking about like the influence of the Chuds, right? And like I've I've never seen that movie. I just know how. I watched it after. Like uh, after I had seen uh, us for the first time. Do you? What I was gonna say is is. Is us better than that movie? No fucking shit, yeah, and that's dude. What I Chud mean, sucks. Like, so, you take a concept that probably, arguably, already fucking sucks, right? Yeah. Or like, you're already like, okay, this is very convenient. Uh, more <laughs> people. <laughs> yeah. And then you have somebody that's as good as Jordan Peele, and be like, this is how much you could tr- realistically probably elevate this concept without it becoming at once like you'd have to have. Dr. Frankenstein at the bottom over there just cloning these. And, like, that would be the answer. Like, oh, there's a guy who's doing it. Like, oh, okay. But then that really just is too corny for the generation of, quote, unquote, elevated horror that we're at right now. We have to have something that is a little bit misunderstood. And I think that's what this movie is really good at. And sometimes the plot holes seem to be a little bigger than they might be in Hereditary. You know, but that's what a misunderstanding true horror film would be like what the fuck is going on like the i mean we like the lighthouse what is what is going on right yeah i mean that doesn't exactly leave you with answers <laughs> yeah exactly and like oh it was a tale of proteus <laughs> duh like <laughs> so i think like sometimes like you know jordan peele because these movies are funny so he just knows how to appeal to a mass audience and that's why we found out with nope it's still the only resonating name it seems in horror that could draw people in of all kinds of moviegoers general audiences and then cinephile freaks like us and i think it's because he knows how to create this funny movie but then those themes of like love of cinema from us from stuff that sometimes we've talked about and it's like people really love that b horror shit and he's one of those people that does. And he elevates that, like we talked about with Quentin Tarantino, he elevates stuff that's probably not that good to a, a better status. And whether you think it's a perfect status or it could be imp- improved upon, that's your opinion. But I do think he elevates those things. Definitely. And I like what you said about Quentin Tarantino. I feel like Jordan Peele has obviously studied. I mean, obviously he studied the Masters. Yeah. But I feel like he employs that just as well as Quentin Tarantino of mm-hmm. taking these 
ingredients from other people and making it wholly original and creating these really powerful striking images that it sometimes you ever watch a movie and you feel like you see an image that becomes ingrained in you so fast and you don't realize it's because you've seen it in some other way Mm -hmm. like oh the simpsons referenced it or um oh i seen a i seen a photo shoot where they did exactly that same image before it's like things that are just it's like these ideas that are in the in the air, you know what I mean? And you're, you're kind of already taking them in without knowing it. It's like, how much shit did you know about Citizen Kane before you actually seen it? You know what I mean? You're like, Oh, I heard of Rosebud or I heard of, you know, whatever. I've seen it being made fun of a thousand different ways. And I feel like Jordan Peele takes certain things that we've seen before, but does it in such an original way where it just instantly feels ingrained like into your like movie brain. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like the image of the tethered, the four of them standing together. Yep. You're like, that's such a striking image. And then when you see later on the, like the cutouts of the four people, like the shit you do in school, like yeah. you cut the paper and make it look like four people. You're like, holy shit, that's something I've been thinking about forever. And yeah. I never seen it in this terrifying way before, but it's something that's just been in front of me my whole life. I think like that image stands out to me too, because that's what it references like us as a kid's doing. And so such an innocent thing being turned sinister. And, it, and it's and all it is is being put in this world in very specific uh, environment, and I think that's like that's what this movie creates very well. And and I think at the end of the day, I appreciate that more that you could put me in a world that I would never have thought of, you know. But I could relate to these images, like you're saying. And to me, it's like I think it's funny that even Jason's mask, you know, it, it's a Chewbacca mask, right? Yeah, and I always thought it was because Chewbacca mom. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. I was was wondering if that was a <laughs> was that just because, like some eighty shit? Like, oh, I kind of want to. You know, some directors they want to add tinges to their movie so you can't tell what era they're in. Yeah, because like he wears a Jaws shirt. He's got the Chewbacca mask. His toys are not really toys of like a modern kid. You know what I mean? He's got like some cheap little magic trick. Mm-hmm. A, a a little ambulance truck. It's not like he's on his iPhone the whole movie. You know, like exactly. the sister. So this Jason character feels like he's kind of stuck in the 80s. So I assume that's where the Chewbacca mask came from. But I always kind of thought it was because of Chewbacca mom. Chewbacca mom. <laughs> what I was going to say is him at the end after we get a reveal, him like, or all the time for me that really stands out because I have the, the Funko Pop. It's him putting on that mask when shit gets real. Like, damn, I'm putting on my mask, you know. Like, oh, do you? To, I didn't even know that. I have that mask. I have that for Funko Pop, yeah. Like, and th- th- that's what I mean. It's just like there's... I have a love for this movie, even though I think it's it's one of those movies for me. Like, I get that. There's, like, if you don't like this movie, I definitely get it. And I sit very on the fence with it, like, of how, like like I said, some of his highs in this movie, I'm like, are some of the best highs even in, some, like, they surpass them in Nope. And Nope is a great spectacle movie. But I think that us, that's why sometimes I think I misunderstand it. Because I'm like, when I, when I am in looking at, watching it like I was yesterday, and I'm like, this is... I wish every horror movie had this much care and thought and just like environment created. And like, and sometimes it, it doesn't have to make too much sense, but it's still like, this is still so well done. I can't, I can't ignore that it's so well done. I mean, none of this is possible without Lupita Nyongo's performance. Exactly. Too. I mean, she, she just does so much for this movie. And I want to get back to her a little bit um, because she, she is the movie, you know? Um, and she really her, is. her performance as we've talked about her as Adelaide a little bit, but the, the red of it all is where it really just fucking takes off. And I think this is one of the highest highs, like you're talking about this just 
creepy one of a kind performance I've never seen before. Uh, I was watching some behind the scenes before we started. Uh, she stayed in character the whole time on set. So like if she had a question about where they were in the script, she would do it in the voice. She would do these That's like creepy cool. eye movements. You know what I mean? She just really embodied this movie monster that I'll remember for a very long time. I mean, I, I hope this is something people remember for a long time, but the, the way that I felt the first time I saw this, it still sticks with me every single time I watch it. I'm the, our first appearance we get of her when they break into the house, it chills me to the core every single time because I'm just shocked and surprised, even though I'm rewatching it, that, of of just what I'm seeing. Yeah. And there's so many there's so many moments in the movie and I know you had uh mentioned this to me that you liked this was the you know the split diopter shot that we get towards the end. Yeah. That performance with that shot and that music is like oh this is peak God. cinema yeah, is right peak, here, right? And it's cinema. like Lupita Nyong'o having one of the greatest moments ever committed to film and people are just not appreciating. Not, yeah. <laughs> it's no like that's literally perfectly the scene right there like and it's just the nerd factor of, like, they don't use those anymore. Obviously, we've talked about them in Blowout. And every good movie that we like seems to have at least one of these shots. And yes. uh, just to see it be used in this movie the way that it was used, to see both of their clear Could it faces. have been used? It couldn't have been used more perfectly, like, on a, on a, like, a economical, on an economical scale, right? Mm-hmm. Of, like, the message you're trying to convey and the shot you're going to use to convey that message couldn't be any more perfect. Tethered. You're like, this is yeah, this <laughs> shot is tethered. tethered. <laughs> yeah. These two things have to go together. With and the music. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? And just how much has been built up in the story at this point. Yeah. That's why it's 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 perfect. It's perfect. It really That's is. That's got to be one of the highest highs of the entire movie. And exactly. I know you talked about this in your letterbox review that you feel like the movie drags a tiny bit in the second half. Yeah. And that it. Do you actually believe it's anticlimactic, the ending, or do you think that the second act kind of makes you feel like, okay, fine, we're finally at the end? Good point. I th- I think it's it's the fact that, you know how we kind of talked about when you get the reveal, now more questions arise for me? Yeah. That's what I meant by anticlimactic, because I feel like you're when you've built up this so much i think you do expect more of a clear answer because you're you're trying to you're trying to now connect what is this director trying to get to like what is the idea they're trying to convey to me and i think that's what i'm saying after certain views i felt like maybe with this one it might be because i know that it's coming Mm -hmm. that's kind of what sucks after watching it the first time you know because i don't feel like i felt that way the first time but with this one i felt like because i knew that it was coming but this one, I felt like it kind of dragged because I was like, a lot of this is still acting like, like the twist kind of makes me have a lot of questions about this. So to me, this kind of feels like filler now because when you get your point across, besides that scene that you're talking about, because that scene is, it is perfect. But then I kind of feel like I have all these questions because of all this stuff that's happening here. So why even show me it in the first yeah, place? Yeah. So I think what happens is that because we get the first, we have two reveals in this movie Mm -hmm. the fact that there's doppelgangers and then the big twist at the end about who we've been rooting for who we should be rooting for those two big things being sandwiched in between uh kind of not straightforward but just uh 
run-of-the-mill horror thriller movie. Exactly. We, it, I think you kind of, it has too many peaks and valleys. Like it peaks with that first reveal and then it peaks at the second That's reveal. And then the, you know, the ending, I, I would say it is anticlimactic, but it's such a good ending that it's still satisfying. That's that like that ba- ballerina fight. Yeah. Choreography with the music and the cool shots and all that. I feel like that is such a high high, but that it kind of dragged ass a little to get there and you still don't feel completely satisfied after the fight at the end with how the movie ends. So I don't really know what to say. Like, yeah, I do think it drags a bit, but it's just got such highs, such highs that it, it pulls through for me. I see what you mean. Yeah. So I, I guess it's like, that's what I'm saying. Maybe it might be because it's not my first watch. And I'm kind of like, I know it's coming. But that works so well in Get Out. And that's one of the things people love about Get Out on rewatchability is that it's like, oh, I, there's even more reveals of how the characters are acting in the background. Or you notice things here and there that you didn't that totally give it away. Because that, that is like what I loved in terms of um, rewatching it now. I believe I believe this might only be my second time. Ever at, watching at, this? At, at maybe at most third but I believe it's it might be my third. I think I rewatched it again, like after we watched it in the theater, like between the time. But I did really like like this was the time I really paid attention to. I sat my ass down and listened. You know what <laughs> I mean? But no, it was um, like how in the beginning she doesn't really like talking to anybody because she's like, I don't really like doing the whole talking thing. And it starts to make sense, you know, after you've known, you know, at the end what happened. So I do pick up on those things. But I, I, I do think that it's be, it might be partly because of that that it, it, it just felt to me like um, that middle section that you're talking about between those two feels like more run of the mill than the other half of the movie for me. And it's not to, like, and that's why I put a lot of thought into it because it's not that it, it doesn't make the movie bad to me, but I think it kind of takes me out of the, the, how much I believe in like, it, it's not as believable as the other two, you know? And like, I know that, the whole concept in Get Out is like that's not believable either, but the sci-fi aspects of it kind of explain it. Like we've had, we talked about they had the, the kind of the easy reveal there for you in Get Out, but in this one because there's not even a slight answer to some of the things that are happening, I end up feeling like everything is building up to this reveal, but the reveal isn't paid off to me because it's not like we have those answers that necessarily I would seek. But I think kind of talk every this kind of happens every time i talk about it more or kind of truly sit down and think about why i would even have so much to say about this movie is i obviously like it if i have so much to say about it right yeah and it's like um i'm starting to i guess kind of love it for what it is and and just kind of being like i don't think after knowing what kind of the path that he's going in and the projects that he likes and the things that he picks up as inspirations i'm like i don't think I, I, I can just kind of be like, I overlook those plot holes like you're talking about. And then I kind of think I need to kind of readjust in terms of what to look out for when I do this movie on rewatches, not trying to look for that same, oh, this makes sense to me now. Because it's not, I don't think it's all of a sudden going to click 100%. Cause it's There's not no reveals there for the rewatch, you know, like, mm-hmm. Oh, that's how they all got cloned. Oh, this is what's going to happen. 
that's not there. No. That's not part of it. And I mean, I know the birds is one of the inspirations for this movie and the birds has been given a thousand different meanings of what exactly. it means. And I feel like with that apocalyptic type ending, there's no reveal because it's, I mean, I, f- I feel like one of the easy ways out of this is to say, it's just, this is the end of the normal world. Right. Mm-hmm. It's kind of got like a Cloverfield army of the dead type of ending where it's like, well, everybody's fucked. Yeah. And I think that's when I, like yesterday is more about actually appreciating the performances that are done here. Like how this is a carefully crafted film and how, yeah, it may have its plot holes for me or maybe I don't like exactly how the relationship between the tethered and the untethered is really explained, but everything else in this movie I like so much. Yeah, I mean, it's got some hits, it's got some misses, but overall, I think it's still extremely good. Yeah, it's one. Of, I mean, it's one of the better movies of its time. I mean, two two thousand nineteen is a really good year for movies. Mm-hmm. We're talking Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We're talking Parasite, but I still, I still think that this is really up there for my favorite movies of that year as well. Like, because I, I think about this movie quite a bit, and I still, even though we've done a podcast on it, I'm still struggling to kind of grasp this movie. I feel like this was not as easy to talk about as Nope was, and it's not as fun to talk about as Get Out is either. Yeah. That, that's it's more of a homework assignment than the other two are. I will say that, yeah, I think it's that's true, and, and that's what I mean is maybe I could, I could attest to maybe I, I don't understand this movie as much as I'd like to. Maybe I'm not. Maybe once it does Or maybe it's not it, meant to be understood, it, right? It, and then, yeah. And that's, that's what I'm fighting for, and it's like, and if it's... Once I get that answer, I think like if and I, and it's kind of heading toward it's not meant to be understood. And once I can get that through my head and not question it in my head, I think I will appreciate this film for what it is. Yeah, it feels like it's very simple, right? But that we're fighting for this, like no, it's gotta have this deeper meaning because nope, kind of has it. Yeah, the dope, the the deeper meaning, and it doesn't it doesn't really give you the answers, but they talk about it. It, it points you in the right direction. But in this one, it gives you the themes, and it doesn't point you in any direction. It's like, what did you get from this film? It's one of those movies. And it's kind of like, well, okay, because then at that point, it becomes to me, it becomes emotional spectrum. Like, what, did, what are the emotions that I get through it? I laugh. I get really scared. And I'm like, that was tight. Yeah. Like, isn't that enough, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like, isn't that a good time at the pictures? Yeah. yeah. And, like, ultimately, that's what they're they're seeking to entertain us, these movies. And I think Jordan Peele understands that. And this movie entertains me. I think Lupina Nyong'o called it thoughtful popcorn. Like, that's how Jordan Peele wants to make movies. Exactly. These big, fun, spectacle movies or these big, out-there ideas. But also, you know, you can enjoy your popcorn and your soda pop, but you also want to... You know, I fuck. What did that mean when yeah. I walked out? Right, dude. This movie leaves me doing my Benoit Blanc. It makes no damn sense. <laughs> it compels me though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I also feel like Jack Skellington when he breaks the little Christmas ornament. But what does it mean? <laughs> exactly. It's just, but I think that's why it. I I sit on the fence about it about being real about it. Right? Like, is it? Do I like it because it does that? Do I not like it because it's that? And that's something I'm having an internal. But to think that this is his second film, you know, he only has three. It's 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 not a miss at all. Mm-mm. You know, it's just I I feel like that's a personal a personal thing. And then anybody else who has agreed because this movie is his most divisive. I think. Yeah. People seem to really like the first and third one right now, but the second one seems like I think a lot of people would say it was a sophomore slump. Some people think this is like in terms of I know we both have Letterbox, but. 
this movie has more three star ratings than it has five star ratings. So, and I think those plot holes speak to those, the, those those people do not like those plot holes. Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things with movies. Certain films, you don't even think about these things. They just get a pass. And mm-hmm. other movies, maybe it's the expectation from the director. I mean, when you get that kind of acclaim that Jordan Peele got right after Get Out, you're expecting a masterwork. You're not expecting him to have a sophomore slump or to have a movie full of plot holes or, you know, things that are perceived as plot That's holes. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, this is like he um, I mean, good for him. He has already kind of surpassed a certain level that a sophomore filmmaker might correct might be um, judged differently for. Same as Eggers. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. How come the lighthouse? No questions asked. Be like, oh, this is a masterpiece, right? Yeah. What happened? Tell me what happened. happened. (laughs) Explain to me what this means. I mean. That we love that movie just as much. I mean, that's got to be one of our all-time favorite movies as a pod, right? The but Lighthouse. We, we understood from the first watch that I wasn't supposed to have the answer. Even from the trailer, this. I was like, I don't I'm think I'm going to understand this yeah. movie. Literally, yeah. <laughs> but then um, this movie, I want, the, I want, you know, like I'm, I'm kind of not giving it that pass. And then that's what the kind of like the for me, I wonder why. As a pod, we have Jordan Peele stock, so that's got something. To yeah, do exactly. With it, you know, like this is one of our guys. I mean, he's on our Mount Rushmore. He's been mentioned since the very first episode. Uh, I wouldn't put it past this also that we're just Jordan Peele biased as well, which mm-hmm. I, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't fucking care love him. this guy and his movies. Again, I want a thousand of them. Yeah. So uh, I believe in Jordan Peele supremacy and I don't really have much more to say right now. I think that's that's really what it comes down to is I'm just a stan. And I because and, and it's not because it's just um you know, it just happens to be somebody around that came out when I'm out. It's that they're original stories. That's that's the most, the the, the most the point that stands out to me the most. Was he just make if he was just making remakes or something? I wouldn't give him as big big of a pass, or I'd be like, yeah, you know, he makes cool remakes or he makes cool movies, but I'm not gonna give him that pass for these plot holes. But for this, it's like, well, the fact that you still could tackle such an ambitious project and execute it in the way that he did. And for the most part, I think it it has, like I told you, some of the highest highs and you brought them up and it for you to bring them up in a, in a way that I, we hadn't talked about those scenes, but you could we're both on the same page of why this movie stands out, I think is why maybe we have the bias. But I think it's just those scenes are peak cinema to me, like in terms of some of the best directors I've seen in my whole life that we've seen like those these movies, all three of them have just scenes in them or the whole concept in them where I'm like, that's so like if, if I could ever dream of writing a movie, I could hope that that's where I would be, that I could even come up with something that's as well written as any of these three, even with the plot holes that this has. Like I could wish that my movie would still be that that good made and well you know, received, even if it has those plot holes. Yeah. Like, this man doesn't miss. Yeah. It'd be great. <laughs> even when he might miss, even when he had that, like, sophomore slump that everybody might have, like, this is his miss, maybe? Like, this is his miss? Like, Damn, what a miss. Even when I was wrong, I could have been right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's what this movie, that's the energy this movie has. Yeah, I mean, I don't got too much more to say. So, Jordan Peele Supremacy, thanks for checking back into the Grand Cinema Hotel. Uh, like, subscribe, comment. Find us on all the podcasting platforms. You already know what they are. I don't have to say it. Um, Nate, we miss you. We love you. We can't wait to have you back. And uh, we're so, out. See you guys. See you guys.